welcome back to the big program. Uh, courtesy cap friendly regarding Corey Perry and his bonus structure. Uh, Corey Perry will get $225,000 for 10 games played. He'll get $50,000 if Edmonton wins the second round of the playoffs and Perry A plays in 50% of the round two games or B 50% of the total of round one and two games. And then a 50,000 bonus if Edmonton wins the third round of the playoffs and Perry plays in 50% of the round three games in total round one, two or three. So again, uh, Kind of a little complicated, but not really. So I guess the main one is that you would think that he's going to play the 10 games, and that would be $225,000 for a bonus for those games played. Hmm. There you go. Uh, Time now for the St. Albert Dodge Game of the Day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over 300 new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. 0% for up to 72 months on select models. 0% also available on Ram 1500s, only at stalbertdodge.com. We're going to preview, Duke, the Boston Bruins and the Winnipeg Jets. These are the two teams that lead the league, the top two teams in the NHL in winning percentage and Vancouver's just a little snippet ahead of uh, those teams. But uh, when you factor in games played and you think about everything else, it is uh, Boston and Winnipeg with the top winning percentage in the NHL. So the Bruins will try to extend uh, a winning streak to five games. Uh, And, you know, the Jets have been off to just a phenomenal start. We talked about it quite extensively last week. The two teams, and I think you could probably put Boston in this category as well, but the two teams out West that haven't had a little bit of a lull, they haven't fallen back, they haven't had that, you know, a stretch of two, three, four, five, six, well, not two, but maybe four, five, six, seven games where, you know, you're only picking up a win or maybe a, a couple of games are going to overtime. That's Vancouver and Winnipeg, and that's the reason that they are where they are in the standings. Now, the Bruins, they had that 5-2 win over Colorado last Thursday and then absolutely gave the business to the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night, scoring nine goals. They scored nine goals against Montreal on Saturday night, and uh, that was all uh, on, on depth scoring. Uh, they'll need that to, to uh, basically face the Jets tonight. Another one of the top teams racing uh, in, in in the race for the President's Trophy. So uh, Boston coming in, playing very well, but Winnipeg playing very well. Boston with uh, 65 points, the Jets with 64 points. It's uh, a 5 o'clock puck drop for, you know, our time, 7 o'clock in Boston, obviously. So uh, the Bruins uh, are led by David Pasternak. 30 goals, 36 assists. He's got uh, with points and 66 in, uh, points in 45 games. He's on a three-game goal scoring streak with five goals in that uh, span. Uh, Jeremy Swayman will get the start in goal for Boston tonight. He's 14-3-7 with a 2.37 goals against average and a 9.23 save percentage. Duke, you just don't like the, the swayman Allmark uh, tandem in Boston, do you? We talked about this at the start of the year. At the start of the year, yeah. yeah like I, the Bruins have proven me wrong. This is the second year in a row where, mm-hmm. where I've expected them to take a big step back. Um, but they, they just proved that like it's kind of like a, they're just a hockey factory, and they get guys to buy into the the system that they're implementing there. Uh, Pasternak, of course, has been terrible. To, mm-hmm. It's or terrible, terribly good. <laughs> um, making up for like the the big question was how would they compensate for the losses of um, Krejci and. Patrice Bergeron right yeah. and and he's obviously a, a winger and doesn't play the center position but when you're doing 
it at a level that he is capable of, all of a sudden you can have a little bit of more, I don't know, lack of talent at the center position, I guess. But, I mean, all the credit in the world to the likes of Charlie Coyle, Charlie Pavel Zaka, Coyle, yeah. uh, for kind of stepping up into that role, right? They, they've been great. So Yeah, Charlie Coyle centers the top line. you got Pasternick on the one side, Brad Marchant on the other. That's the top line for Boston. Uh, local product, Jake DeBrusque. He uh, the, plays the off wing uh, on the right side with Pavel Zaka and James Van Riemsdyk. When you look at the bottom six for Boston and every team – Every team has holes. We talk about this all the time. There isn't a perfect lineup because you just can't do it anymore in the salary cap era. But uh, it's Lauko, uh, Geeky, and Frederick on the line number three for Boston, and then Boquist, uh, Poitra, and uh, Danton Heinen on, on line number four. Uh, the the defense, Charlie McAvoy has turned into one of the best defensemen uh, in the Eastern Conference. He's partnered up with uh, Matt Greslick. And then you've got Lindholm and Carlo and then Forbert and Weatherspoon. And again, Swayman will start tonight. How do you think the Jets have been, um, how did they do it I, with Con- Kyle Connor out of the lineup for missing all those games with an injury? He's he's an elite goal, scare, goal scorer, Duke. I, I think the Jets probably have the deepest forward group when you talk about depth out West. I mean, Colorado has, is there as well, but Winnipeg, man, you, when you look at their forward lines, they've got, uh, I mean, you, you got Nino Niederreiter on the third line. And, and I know? think a lot of that depth is buoyed by that trade that they pulled off and all the credit to Kevin Sheveldayoff. Yeah. Uh, uh, you have a guy in, in Pierre-Luc Dubois who did not want to be in Winnipeg long-term after not wanting to be in Columbus long-term. And um, he's having a good season out in L.A., don't get me wrong, but the haul yeah. that they returned, when you can get three legitimate lineup players, uh, Rasmus Kupari, mm-hmm. uh, Alex Iafalo, and Gabe Velarde has been lights out for yeah. them. And another big name, I think you talk about the the uh, time missed by Kyle Connor, Cole Perfetti. Um, this is a top-10 draft pick. He's already matched his career high in points, which was 30 last year. Uh, he played 51 games uh, sometime down in the minors, some missed to injury, et cetera. But, yeah, 44 so far this year, already 30 points. So I think he's been he's been great for them. And like you said, this this forward group pretty much top to bottom. And then when you've got, like, your team captain, Adam Lowry, uh, still playing down lower in the lineup, he is a every coach's head or every head coach's a dream type of a player, right, the way he plays the game and can still chip in a little bit too. Uh, they'll, the Jets will obviously be in tough. They're, they're rolling right now, but they're going up against a good Bruins team. Top five uh, special teams units on both sides of the park, yeah. power play and penalty kill. Um, but the Jets, they suppress goals better than anybody in the league. And that starts and ends with Connor Hellebuck uh, between the pipes uh, and then backed by a pretty solid uh, top six of defense too. So, like, it's it's rare that you get to two teams at the time this time of the season, you know, each at the top of their respective divisions. Uh, in theory, the two best teams in the league, like you said, with points percentage-wise yeah. uh, from – Alt, or opposing conferences kind of meeting up here in late January. This is a real treat as we head into the final week before the All-Star break. Yeah, it's a lot of eyeballs on this game tonight. And you know, uh, one of the keys, and remember we had uh, Charlie Hetty on very early, right before he went into the Oilers uh, uh, Hall of Fame, and we were talking about Adam Lowry. Mm-hmm. And he was, this is a perfect, perfect choice for captain of the Jets. And he has the ability to move anywhere in that lineup, up or down, because he, he, he shows offensive flair. He has the, uh, the ability to play very strong defensively. Uh, you, you saw when the Oilers played the Jets, Connor McDavid pretty well was lined up against Adam Lowry 
most of the time. I'd say a good 75-80% of the time in head-to-head matchups. So it's uh, Kyle Connor uh, with Lowry and Gabe Velarde tonight, then Perfetti. Uh, Nemesnikov and Ehlers on line number two. Niederreiter again on line number three. That's that's a, he's a load. Uh, Toninato and Appleton, and then Morgan Barron, Rasmus Kapari, and Alex Iafalo. And again, Iafalo is a guy that can move up and down, up the and line. down the line. And up I think I think I think that's one thing that really benefits the Jets because he said like all four of their lines are solid, but a lot of those players can play up and down your lineup. Just like we talked about, like with the Oilers adding a guy like Perry. Yes, at this point in his career, he's more suited to a bottom six role. The Jets don't really have that. Like a lot of their team is on the younger mm-hmm. side. And if you ask them to play a bottom six role and provide some energy, they can do that. But an injury, somebody having a bad game or just throwing things in a blender, you ask uh, Ayafalo, Kupari, Niederreiter, one of these guys to jump up and play in the middle or top six. And like they're very capable. They're all proven of having success at the NHL level. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, I mean, God, he's uh, like a several time uh, uh, 20 goal scorer, yeah. right? So it's. Uh, he's a great add-in with the extension he got this year. One final thing on the Jets, and we've been really pumping their tires here. Keep in mind, they also were without their head coach for, for a good stretch of the season as uh, Rick Bonus had yeah. to step aside um, to deal with the health of his wife. So all the credit to Scott Arneal for keeping the, the kind of ship uh, ship sailing through the night. The Jets have really impressed me. But like I said, I, I've been doubting the Bruins a couple years in a row, and they just continue to show uh, how dumb I am because... They just keep churning it out, and uh, they're, they're, they're on route to another top seed heading into the playoffs. It's very, very impressive. That has been the Game of the Day, brought to you by St. Albert Dodge, with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge. See how easy it is to do business with the great people at stalbertdodge.com. When we come back, it's NFL time. Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic, will guest with us as we head down to the Final Four in the NFL. It's going to be, um, after those two games last night and yesterday afternoon, it's going to be KC in Baltimore, Detroit at San Francisco. So it's going to be an interesting final four weekend coming up in the NFL. Uh, that's coming up uh, right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 1020 in Edmonton, and time to talk a little NFL football with Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic. Uh, Larry, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for uh, hopping on this morning. Yeah, you got it. Uh, look, I have a shirt on, uh, unlike Jason Kelsey <laughs> in the cold, so... Uh, uh, but yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> if there's any way to upstage Taylor Swift, I guess it's that, right? Yeah. What, what did you make when the big man popped out of that luxury suite there? Uh, I have zero, uh, <laughs> like zero doubt that he would do that. Like, and it, it's hilarious that uh, a few weeks ago uh, we were talking about suites and the Panthers owner throwing drinks at fans. <laughs> this one, uh, Jason Kelsey's jumping out and having drinks. <laughs> With fans, so, uh, so a slight difference uh, between those two scenarios. Yeah, I think he was well lubricate, lubricated, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, I saw a video in uh, uh, that he stopped at a Bills tailgate, took a shot out of a bowling ball. <laughs> I mean, who knows where those fingers have been that have been mm. in that bowling ball? So, uh, yeah, I guess he wasn't really too worried about it. And uh, uh, and look, hey, he's a. Uh, I wonder if he'll be shirtless next week uh, in Baltimore. Who knows? <laughs> Larry Holder, our guest on Sports 1440 uh, with The Athletic. So what did you make of that game last night, Larry? It was a, it was a hell of a football game. Yeah, it was another classic. Uh, of course, this one going to the Chiefs again uh, within the Chiefs-Bills rivalry. And, yeah, it's it certainly, man, it's uh, it, it didn't seem like it would just come down to Isaiah Pacheco's touchdown really clinching it. 
uh, given uh, you know the circumstances that happened afterwards. You know, you, you thought maybe uh, uh, you know Buffalo goes for the fake punt, uh, even though the Chiefs had only had ten men on the field. And then uh, the Bills seem fortunate, get the ball back as McCole uh, Hardman fumbles it out of the end zone, and they miss the field goal. And so it's uh, uh, definitely uh, a little different than the, the game we saw two years ago, with the wild ending with all the scoring and then going into overtime. But, I mean, it just goes to show you, look, uh, Patrick Mahomes has not had a Patrick Mahomes-type season. I mean, when you look at the metrics and the numbers, uh, it, it's been his worst season uh, of his career as a starter, and yet, man, he's grinded it out with, with his team uh, to get back to another AFC championship game. And if you're the Bills, you got to be thinking, man, what, what can we do to kind of get over this hump? Uh, you know, you've got you've had all these successful runs in the in the regular season, uh, only made one AFC title game with, with, with Josh Allen, and you're wondering uh, what's going to be happening next. So definitely. Uh, uh, it's, it's almost like both seasons ended, uh, you know, one keeps going, the other ends the scene that we've seen a lot of times. So, you know, it's almost same old, same old, but just uh, uh, in-game, so just a little bit of different circumstances, but, that, but just to get to the same result. Larry Holder, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, so, Larry, what I mean, what's missing in Buffalo? And I mean, Kansas City's got a great team. You mentioned the great leadership and how Patrick Mahomes has uh, led this team and uh, how well he plays in big, big games. But what's what's missing in Buffalo? Do you think? Well, it's funny because in spurts, it, it was almost like they figured it out, like they were able to run the football. You know, once once they uh, switched offensive coordinators, going to Joe Brady. And then you definitely at the end of the season, it seemed like, you know, production from your top receivers on that team really just fell off the map instead of relying on uh, Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. And look, Gabe Davis has been banged up and has missed the last couple of games. And now he's going to be a free agent. And, uh, you know, it, it feels like that uh, in, in those big moments, look, Josh Allen put, I don't know, he heaved up the deep ball. Look, it felt like Stefan Diggs could have had it. Uh, and so offensively, you're probably wondering, man, what can you do there? And then, look, defensively, they had so many injuries at one point. We're able to kind of keep it together and still uh, win a ton of games toward the end of the season to even just get into the playoffs, much less to get to the two seed. So, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely some soul searching going on. When you've only you've, you've done so well in the regular seasons, gotten to a point, and you've kind of just gotten to a stopping point, and so. Uh, you know what? Other than having not having Patrick Mahomes in the league anymore, I mean, what? What? It, you you got to fix it on your own. And you know, the Bills have been in position to win a couple of these games. You know, I brought, bring back the game a couple of years ago. They were certainly in a position to win that one, and then they put themselves in positions to either win or, or you know push this thing to overtime last night, and uh, hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, Larry, do you think that you know even though Kansas City? always comes up with a a big performance. Patrick Mahomes comes up with a big performance in the big games. Do they have a good shot or a legitimate shot at beating Baltimore in the AFC championship? I mean, I think if you have Patrick Mahomes, you got a legitimate shot to win every game you play. So in in that sense, yes. Uh, But man, I I will tell you what, I I thought uh, foolishly that the Texans might keep that game closer and maybe just kind of leaning on, well, the Ravens haven't done well in the postseason, uh, with, even though Lamar Jackson's been there. Well, they, they've kind of shaken that stigma after uh, the big win 
an easy win, really, uh, running away with it against the Texans. And so, yeah, I think what's uh, what the Chiefs are they're going to face a tougher defense, and you know, uh, but at least on the other side, like I think the Ravens uh, are going to face a pretty tough challenge with, with the Chiefs' defense, which has been kind of underrated uh, a lot of times. Uh, and that because the Chiefs' offense hasn't played so well this year that they've really had to lean on that unit. So, you know, I, I look to me, it's probably I'm not totally. I don't remember totally offhand what the what the spread is, but like I feel like it's a toss up game regardless, just because the Chiefs have been there, done that, and the Baltimore Ravens haven't. But I do think that the Ravens are the better team. So, but so you throw this in this scenario and. Uh, it, to me, it's really anybody's game. Yeah, I, I like your point, Larry. Anytime you have Patrick Mahomes, you have a really good chance uh, to win. Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic, is our guest on Sports 1440. In the NFC, I, I just everyone up here, Larry, you know, it seems like you're either a, a Vikings fan. We have a lot of Seattle Seahawks because of our proximity, but Detroit Lions seem to be capturing, I guess, the imagination and uh, you know the support of a lot of a lot of fans up here because of, of the story and where they were and who they are. Uh, do you get that feeling as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I'm based in New Orleans, so trust me. Uh, when the Saints went on a run and won a Super Bowl a bunch of years ago, uh, it was the same thing. Like It's like you have this diehard fan base that's like craving for a winner, and then you could finally kind of taste it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I went to a, a national role uh, a few years ago, but – I covered uh, before that. I when I first started at the Athletic, I was uh, an, a New Orleans columnist. So I and I covered the Saints for years and years. So I covered Dan Campbell when he was an assistant coach here, Aaron Glenn when he was assistant coach here, and there's no doubt that those two guys. Uh, you know, a lot of Ben Johnson's getting a lot of pub in the OC. I, I mean, I never covered him, so I'm only going to speak of the two guys that I covered. But yeah. I mean, there's no question people buy into what the, what they're doing, and they've done a tremendous job. And uh, even you know, with some of the pieces that they have, and uh, look, Jared Goff is has is playing maybe better than he's ever played consistently in his career, and he's been to a Super Bowl, and so. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's not like Detroit's defense is dominating, but they kind of get it done uh, when they need to. And so, yeah, there, there's no doubt that that is the darling story, but they certainly deserve to be there. I mean, there's, they're not just like skating by, and they're not just like a flash in the pan. I mean, they deserve to be there. And we, we've seen the 49ers be vulnerable. Yes. I mean, they were vulnerable this past weekend. Uh, you know, the Ravens showed that 49ers can be beaten. So, uh, you know, even though it's – I don't think that this uh, this game is going to be too big for them. But, yeah, there's no doubt that the darling story, uh, rightfully so, is the Lions. You, you know, like Green Bay could have easily uh, defeated San Francisco on the weekend. And did you think Brock Purdy looked a little off, uh, Larry? Yeah, I think they did some things. Look, the weather probably played a little bit of a role in it. But, uh, you know, and, and Brock Purdy, it's funny that uh, that people do like to – kind of knock him at any chance it's like people do not buy in him uh even though his numbers are phenomenal and you know if you watch him over the, the last year and a half i mean he to me he's the real deal uh but look i think it was important that he came up big late in that game uh just to uh, kind of have some momentum going forward and they're going to be without uh they, well it's kind of 50 50 without debo samuel but yeah look i, I do think though that uh that, you know if you get a little bit of pressure on him 
you know, you know, say Aiden Hutchinson can kind of keep the ball rolling. You know, he's had he's got he's got like average of what <laughs> two and a half two sacks a game in the last yeah. four games at least. So you know, the, the fact that they're kind of getting that going, but yeah, I, I, if. Uh, uh, but I do think that the 49ers, you look at it, if they're able to – if they think Debo Samuel isn't going to play, they can game plan around it uh, in terms of – instead of trying to do it on the fly. So I think maybe that was part of it too. But, uh, uh, but yeah, like, I, I, I think Brock Purdy is the real deal. So, yeah, I, I'm not one of those detractors out there. It's almost people wondering why I – because I write about quarterbacks every week. Uh, they try to knock it down every week, and it's like Brock Purdy kind of just keeps getting up. Mm-hmm. Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic, our guest on Sports 1440. So can Detroit go into San Fran and pull off an upset here? Look, I, I think it's in the realm of possibility. I'll tell you, I'm not going to pick that, uh, but I do think it is. it wouldn't be a shocker to me. You know, it, it's uh, – uh, San Francisco got this far last year. Brock Purdy gets hurt, and the Eagles win that game. Uh, and we've seen, uh, like, like we just saw, like a blueprint with what we just saw, like uh, with, with the Packers. Like, if you can, if you can, if Detroit can kind of maybe get something established with the run, you know, a little mixed match of uh, of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, uh, and if, if the Lions can kind of uh, really expose the 49ers using all of those crossing routes that they like to do with St. Brown and Laporta. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's a game that uh, the Lions might like it to be a shootout. That means that they're actually scoring points. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I, I do think that this is uh, – I, I would pick San Francisco to win mm-hmm. this game, but I do think that this is not out of the realm of possibility that Detroit can go there and, and win a game. Larry Holder with us on Sports 1440. Just around the league, a couple little tidbits and things like that. Larry, uh, uh, is uh, is Lamar Jackson hands down your MVP choice? Yeah, I think the, the heads-up win over Purdy did it for him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and some of the numbers uh, that he's, uh, you know, maybe some of those advanced metrics, uh, they're not as pretty as maybe some of the, the other quarterbacks that have won MVPs in the league, but – I feel like that this is such a wide open year that uh, the fact that Lamar Jackson uh, really kind of played his game uh, and to me, I, I do think he's he's really if if he would have lost that game against Purdy, we'd probably mm-hmm. be talking about Brock Purdy. Yeah. But I do think because the race was so tight, like you had a different favorite every week for like four weeks in a row late in the season, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, and you didn't have. Mahomes in there, and like Josh Allen wasn't in there, so it was all kind of floating in the air. But no, to me, uh, I think Lamar Jackson's going to win that award. Had Tyreek uh, Hill not been injured, do you think he would have made a, a good case to kind of join the conversation there? Maybe so, but of course, his play is certainly leaning on uh, Tua Tagovailoa yeah. getting it done. And so, you know, the fact that uh, the Dolphins kind of struggle against some of the good competition, uh, you know, any kind of good team we've seen them play really this year. Outside of maybe one game, like they've lost, and so yeah, I, look, I do think this could have been a year that like Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. could have jumped in there, Christian McCaffrey. Like I, I feel like at one point people were, would rather him than Brock Purdy. But again, that goes again with the people that are not buying into what uh, Brock Purdy is doing. Uh, but yeah, if there was a year that that a position player rather than a quarterback could have won it, it could have been this year. But you know, these these players they kind of fell by the wayside, and, and then. Lamar, again, you kind of had that heads-up quarterback matchup 
Like, if he didn't play, even play against Brock Purdy, maybe we wouldn't even, it would still be more of a question mark, too. But the fact that we saw that heads up and Purdy played awful that night and the Ravens played well and Lamar played well enough, I mean, that's, that's really kind of the difference. You know, it's always tricky when, you, when you're dealing with just uh, people, uh, you know, it's like 40, 40 people voting. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, it, it, you, see, you get those kind of landmark points and uh, it, it makes it sometimes uh, pretty easy to do. Do you think Lamar gets Mark Andrews back for Kansas City? It sounds like that that would be the case. Uh, I know he was close this week. Uh, you know, they, he was practicing some, questionable, but didn't play. But, yeah, I think they were trying to – they're hopeful for this target. So, yeah, that, if they get Andrews back and, they, you know, they've been able to kind of get it done offensively without him, uh, and you've seen the emergence of Isaiah Likely at tight end, I mean, that's – you throw Andrews back in that mix, and, man, you know he's going to be hungry, uh, no doubt about it. And so uh, that, that's another element that uh, I think people need to remember uh, when they go into this game. And, look, it's, it's funny because you get Andrews back and – uh, you get arguably the two best tight ends in the league, even though Kelsey hasn't played like it. But you know him and Andrews. I mean, they're one and one A or one and yeah. one and two. And, but now you throw Laporta in there. But yeah, definitely a, a piece that you got to look out for. And one last one for Larry Holder, uh, senior NFL writer at the Athletic. So many coaching positions open, available. Where do you think the likes of Harbaugh or Belichick land? Uh, well, I know Harbaugh is having a second interview with the Chargers. I, I thought that was going to be the fit from the beginning. Uh, and then Bill Belichick, yeah, I still think that the Falcons would be the place for him. Uh, it would make sense with the, uh, kind of an improving defense. Now they got a, they got some quarterback issues for sure. They're going to have to have a new one. Uh, but, yeah, I think that – and look, you look at the NFC South, a, a division that he could come in and – uh, and maybe kind of take, but uh, yeah, to me, and, and we haven't even seen anything built with Bill Belichick with some other teams yet. But yeah, I think Harbaugh, Chargers, Belichick, Falcons, those two, those two connections make the most sense. Do you think Buffalo would do something crazy and you know, can their coach and Belichick uh, surfaces there? Any possibility? You think? <laughs> I'd be surprised, <laughs> uh, but we've certainly seen in division with Bill Belichick before in the past. I mean. Bill Belichick uh, basically bailed on the Jets to go to the Patriots. Yeah. So we've seen that happen. Uh, but I, I would be surprised if something like that happened. Well, it, it, it would be crazy for sure. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Larry. Enjoy uh, the conference championships. It's uh, two games that are shaping up that uh, I think a lot of people are, are really going to enjoy. It should be a, a couple of really solid contests. Thanks for this. Yeah, you got it. Appreciate it. That's Larry Holder, senior NFL writer at The Athletic. It'll be Kansas City and Baltimore, Detroit and San Fran. Duke, any, you're just going for the favorites here, aren't you? You're probably going Baltimore. you yes. got to go Baltimore yes. after they just oh, they dismantled dis- your dis- Texans. Dismantled is the yeah, perfect word, Kevin. I, I, I've, been, I've been saying all year that I thought San Francisco was the best team in the NFL, mm-hmm. even after Baltimore beat them so uh, in such a you know resounding way. Um, but I, I am changing my tune after this weekend's games. I think Baltimore is now the or should be the front runner the, to be the Super Bowl champions come the the end of or the middle of February, pardon me, because the Niners showed some cracks in the armor against Green Bay. Like Green Bay ran the ball against them well. Um, like the the defense and and you guys just talked about it, you and Larry about Brock Purdy. Like 
if if it's another wet day in San Fran next Sunday, like he's shown that he can't really like he's not great in that type of weather. Um, and I mean, yeah, you always have a guy like Christian McCaffrey to lean back on, but in games like this, that's when you need your quarterback to be at their best. And Brock Purdy really was not this no. past weekend. Uh, so could he t- could he flip the script and go back to being the guy we've seen over the past year and a half or so? Absolutely. But I think Baltimore is uh, for sure the front runner. I still think the Chiefs like Patrick Mahomes is 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 the best football player to, to ever the most like I said I'm not saying you know he's going to match Brady's uh, records or wi- Super Bowls or whatever but in terms of just physical skill and whatever like I he's a leader. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player to ever play quarterback in the mm. history of the NFL it, it is unbelievable so and with Rasheed Rice really emerging Travis Kelsey back to his old he went 8 weeks without a touchdown <laughs> yeah two two yesterday so no surprise there um, I, I think that game sizes up better. I, you know what? I'm rooting for the Lions. I, I, I'm all in on the Lions uh, because of what I said about the Niners showing some cracks in the armor. I still think they're a good team, but I'm putting my stock behind the Lions. Uh, Lions, Ravens, Super Bowl. You know, I was telling uh, you about Chris Spielman in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Last week we were talking about it, and I had the discussion with a few guys on the weekend, and they went, with, uh, you're exactly right between Spielman and what Dan Campbell brings. I mean, we're talking about leadership values, core values, covenant, you know, all this stuff where it is what you believe in and who you are as a coach, as a person. And you're trying to get others around you to think the exact same way. And that's that culture we were talking about. And that's those two guys are mirror images, I really believe, of uh, of what their concept, what their belief is. Uh, to be a winner and even though the Detroit Lions didn't have very good success uh, back in you know when when Chris Spielman was there that's the type of person that you have to build around Uh, when we come back we'll uh, get to a few more of your texts and we'll wrap things up on a busy Monday morning on the Kevin Carey show on sports 1440 stay with us you know Duke I was just uh, checking out the old interweb you can go on this interweb and just surf you know that eh it's unbelievable it's uh, it's 2024, <laughs> the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So do you know that these are all when Dan Campbell was hired? And we all know you've heard that when he was his speech about taking out kneecaps and this yeah. and biting, Bite, you know, biting off kneecaps on the way back up. These were all posts in Detroit when he was hired. This is a hire I cannot get behind. Dan Campbell is poised to be a disaster. He's just a meathead. Uh, how about this one? This is who black coaches are losing opportunities to. Uh, Goff is going from McVeigh to Fred Flintstone. This hire was an incredible reach, an embarrassing hire for the Lions. Dan Campbell doesn't seem very bright. He'll never be the guy. The Lions will not reach their potential with under Dan Campbell. These are all real headlines and comments. Everyone in media was his biggest critic. No one believed him. No one saw the vision. Three years later, he's got the Lions playing in the NFC Championship and none of his doubters matter. How about that? You you talk, Kevin, about his ability as a leader and relating it back to uh, Spielman from the, the, the free, previous the 80s, generation yeah, of yeah. the Lions. Sometimes, like, being a head coach, you do not have to be the best X's and O's guys. Or go guy. That is why you hire people that know that. Him. Ben Johnson likely to probably get a head coaching job. Aaron Glenn, he's uh, got a few interviews uh, underway as well from uh, what the reports tell us. 
to be a head coach, and this is from me playing sports, um, things I've things I've read at the pro level, talking to guys like Schlemko and Laddie in here in this uh, in this studio, even Eddie uh, yeah. from the football side of things here in the CFL. To be a head coach, you have to inspire people. Like you have to get people to buy into your message. Believe you. And, like, look at a guy like Josh McDaniels. Has all the success in the world as an OC. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, like, who knows? How much of it was due to Tom Brady being the quarterback? Sure, whatever. But either way, the success was there. The offense was usually quite good. Clearly, he knows football. But what he obviously does not know, based on his two stints as a head coach, are is people. He doesn't understand that. And, and it's just... So Dan Campbell, all those, the, the haters and the naysayers, and especially with the way they started, of course, the bad season, um, and then the next year starting, I think it was one and six before rattling it off and, and barely missing the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. he, he is his top shelf guy, as you'll find across sports, and his players love playing for him. So no matter what he asks them to do, they, they are do willing it. to do it. Mm-hmm. Look at how their receivers block. Look at how people buy into the game plan. The running backs, this is a, a first round high end pick in Jameer Gibbs that you haven't heard a peep of a complaint out all year despite David Montgomery getting almost or around 50% of yep. touches almost every game and look at Gibbs this weekend he went off it was a terrific night for him he was electric it's about the team concept and you don't always see that look at Philadelphia did AJ Brown stop complaining all season apart from that like six game run where he's putting up 125 mm-hmm. yards per per game yeah. other than that it was it was constantly bad body language bad, bad talks with the media or not whatever team. it's not team and so team. it's talk about Nick Sirianni versus yeah. Dan Campbell as a leader of a team of a group and it's not close it is night and day Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Uh, had to get to this one from Sham a little while back. Sorry, Sham, just got to it now. Hey, Kev, I was in Southern Ontario in the late seventies and early eighties. I used to go to all the Niagara Falls Flyers game. Kevin McClelland, Duke, was my favorite player. The best junior line I ever watched was Larmer, Ludzik, and McClelland, uh, and he would protect those guys with vengeance. That comes from Sham. And that see, Kevin McClellan's cut out of the same cloth as what Dan Campbell is. That's that's a simple fact. Uh, Heavy Chevy goes uh, local amateur sports info. Alberta Cup five six cross country ski races are happening this weekend uh, at Gold Bar Park. Thanks for this note from Heavy Chevy. Uh, this will affect access to cross country trails and the parking lot on Saturday and Sunday. And also thanks Duke for uh, in your. Uh, Ski report, putting in the cross-country stuff in in the ski report. Uh, There was another text a long time ago, Duke, St. Albert Sabres. We had the game of the day. Remember we had uh, everybody on from, well, we had two two things happening. We had the uh, John Reed Classic. So the St. Albert Sabres, I believe, won the bronze medal over the weekend at the uh, John Reed Classic. We had a text about that earlier in the show, too. I'll go back. It's saying exactly what the the final result was. I went on the John Reed website again. I could; it, it was so hard to distinguish exactly who was playing whom for the gold medal games and the bronze medal games. But I think the St. Albert Sabers might have won the bronze. So congrats to them. Hey, Mitchell just sent in who won the John Reed. Well, I, uh, I I can't like when I went on the website, it was hard to distinguish exactly the gold medal game. Uh, bronze medal it was. Yeah, forty fifth John Reed tournament. Great. This was from Brody. Uh, great showing up against the best of the best from Canada and the United States. So thanks, Brody, for that. Yeah, St. Albert Sabres, bronze medal winners this weekend. Mm-hmm. Another, you know, just a great success for that tournament. You have the, some of the best under-15 players, you know, 
in Canada, Western Canada, at least anyway, that come up, you know, from all over BC and Alberta and, you know, from some from Saskatchewan and they had the Phoenix came up again, you know, the Phoenix team, they've had teams from Europe over here. So congratulations to all the organizers to put on a great tournament again in St. Albert for the John Reed uh, Memorial Tournament. Uh, Oilers just uh, will be stepping on the ice here in about 10 minutes. And the owners announced, of course, that Corey Perry has signed with the club, 775000 But bonuses could take that up a little bit. And uh, he will be getting uh, $225,000 for 10 games played. So he can earn up to $325,000 more in performance bonuses. Now, these would add to... The overage penalty the Oilers will have to face with Connor Brown next year. That's at three and a quarter. So there would be an addition to that number, depending on what Corey Perry does and performs in his bonuses. The Oilers, again, will take to the ice here in about uh, 10 minutes. After practice, Corey Perry and general manager Ken Holland will uh, address the media in the Oilers Hall of Fame room. So... Uh, he will practice, and then uh, the orders will have their media availability with the uh, rest of the players, Coach Knobloch, et cetera, et cetera. And then after that, uh, Corey Perry and Ken Holland will discuss the signing and uh, what the Oilers have to do. And again, they have to figure out uh, another roster move uh, pending uh, because to fit this under the cap, that's what has to happen. I think people are pretty excited about this, Duke. I think everyone, there isn't anyone saying a bad thing about it. You know, we've, and we get a lot of negative texts. We <laughs> yeah. get a lot of negative texts. If text. there's one thing we know about Oilers fans, they are not afraid to voice their displeasure mm-hmm. with the moves the organization makes. But uh, we discussed it this morning. It's one that kind of everything adds up, right? It it provi- or adds an element to Oilers roster in a, a specific area. That they're not quite as, you know, sound in terms of a, a bigger body, a little more grit, a little more sandpaper to play in that bottom six. Um, maybe it is opposite of Vander Kane on certain nights on the third or who knows, yeah. even a second line. Um, not the fastest guy, but a veteran who has been there. He's won it all. He's been to three other Stanley Cup finals outside of the one that he was the victor. It, it Everything adds up to it making sense. Um, and much like, I mean, people like to say it's the reclamation project, but I really don't know if it falls in that category because, um, yes, he was released by the Blackhawks due to the uh, you know violation of the team uh, safe work yeah. environment type thing. But like we said earlier too, this isn't like a, a, a trend of behavior from Corey Perry, at least not that we're the, to the, to our knowledge. I'm hoping we can, I'm trying to track down uh, hopefully a former teammate of Corey Perry's to uh, come on tomorrow, the show tomorrow morning to talk about him as a player, as a person, you know, somebody that knows him a little bit better than say just uh, the general media. So, Contract still has to get registered with the league. Mm-hmm. That's the stage that it's at right now. Another option too, you know, uh, Phil Kemp is still here, right? Yes. So if you don't want to send uh, Adam Ernie down, then you could send Phil Kemp uh, down to Baco as well. That would leave the Oilers just with the six defensemen here. But uh, if I mean Phil Kemp was here just as you know, kind of an emergency if something were to happen. If anything happens to one of the Oilers defensemen, Phil Broberg would uh, get the call, you know, right away. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he needs to be continuing to play down uh, in Bakersfield as uh, they continue to develop uh, that young defenseman. So we'll see what where the orders head as far as once this contract gets registered. Obviously, then they have to make another roster move. Well, Duke, we had another. Oh, just what the text coming in. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, 
St. Albert Kevin dipping in with three minutes left in the show, wanting us to, <laughs> to basically dive into uh, several pretty el- oh elaborate uh, conversations here. Yeah. Uh, just your thoughts on you would like to see AJHL all teams join the BCHL, like all of them. Do you think the Oil Kings will make a push for a wildcard spot with Perry signing? Do you see the Oilers as a strong contender to win the cup? No, no, yes. <laughs> How's uh, that sound? Uh, I'm in on yeah. that, Kevin. There no, you go. No, no, yes, quickly. Uh, so Kemp would go, yeah, Kemp, that's just an option. Uh, Rusty goes trade Brown for a draft pick. Uh, uh, maybe Connor Brown could be one of the players that uh, I, I don't see that happening. I don't see that at all. And I think I think Connor Brown would get scooped up because then, you know, someone would just do that because now you got Brown for this year and then the Oilers got to pay. And the Oilers are still on the hook for the bonuses next year, right? Like that's the thing that I I get the frustration with Connor Brown. I totally understand it and it's warranted because Mm -hmm. he's still without a goal here over halfway through the season. But the realistic thing is this year, we're talking about this season, we can't do anything about what the money is for next year. Like that's Mm -hmm. already in stone. For this year, you're getting a player at... Is it league minimum? Yeah, it's a le- yeah. league minimum yeah. contract that can play on your special teams, on the penalty kill, and be an effective bottom six player. Do you want more out of him offensively? Yes. 100%. But for a league minimum deal, you're getting a guy that is a capable NHL player. It's it's hard to stomach because of the lack of production, but that's just the reality. Like He's going to still be in the lineup. Almost. He, will he take maybe a turn in the press box now with the addition of Perry yes, and Holloway he, back he in? Could, 100%. We up. saw that already happen. Right? So, and he kind of got his game in gear after that because mm-hmm. he was pissed off. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yes. I think he should be. So, it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see Brown being mm-hmm. traded away or waived or sent down. I think there's other players uh, lower in the lineup that are probably more likely to get that yeah. uh, unfortunate treatment or treatment, you know, result of being waived and likely sent down. Adam Ernie uh, probably being the prime candidate. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's unfortunate, frustrating, but you have to look at it a little more positive lens mm-hmm. that the, the addition of Perry and Holloway uh, back on Saturday hopefully continues to to get back to where he was. Because he was playing some pretty good yeah. hockey before he got hurt. Right? Thank, it thanks, seems like forever ago. Thanks to Nick sending in a text uh, at the John Reed. Edge School out of Calgary beat the Toronto Titans 5-2 to claim gold. So lots of great high-level hockey this weekend in St. Albert. That's, uh, thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to all our guests today. Ethan Sears, uh, uh, Mark Spector, Paula Finley, Craig Ellis, and Larry Holder. Uh, thanks for uh, hopping on today as well as our Monday morning co-host, Olympic gold medalist, Lori and Munzer. At the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former uh, Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn from 12 o'clock till 2. It will be the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. And then Jason Greger drives us home here on Sports 1440 with the Jason Greger Show from 2 till 6. Once again, thanks to all our listeners for taking part in the show, uh, sending in all the great texts. We had some great interaction. Really appreciate you being a part of our show. Uh, Tomorrow, it'll be uh, Grant Fuhrer. Checking in from Palm Desert, uh, our co-host from 9 to 11. Coming up, top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy. But before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update with the lovely and talented (laughs) Donovan the Intern. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for listening.